and welcome to episode 94 of the Retrospectives podcast, King Kong. My name is Patrick Arthur and I'm joined uh, as always... Excuse me, Patrick. This is Peter Jackson's King Kong, <laughs> the official Game of the Movie, Gamer Edition. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's um, it's not the most easy title to roll off the tongue, is it, James? But I, I'm going to just stick with King Kong for now. Maybe King Kong 2005, like we did with Blade Runner, although since the movie came out in the same year, that probably clarifies absolutely nothing. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official Game of the Movie, Gamer Edition for this episode I, it's gonna be difficult but we'll get there <laughs> you know you know that this this uh game came out before the movie as well i actually did not know that i saw the movie you know on launch night in cinema and i do not watch a lot of movies but this was oh god it's almost close to like two decades ago now right <laughs> yeah it it's funny this isn't the first game we've played that did this in this era like when we did star wars pod racer it was the same when we did lord of the rings it was the same it's a trend that's kind of died but it, it is interesting to think that uh back in the day you got to experience the movie in game form before the movie ever came out. Man, imagine playing the like bootleg video game adaption version, getting all the spoilers and then like having the movie ruined for you. Seems like, well, maybe not in this case. It's like, wow, King Kong died at the end. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, believe it or not, the movie's close to 100 years old. So it's probably not the biggest spoiler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we played King Kong uh, and just King Kong from 2005. So, James, you, you saw the movie on release night. What did you think of the movie when it released? Um, well, I remember my father being very uncomfortable in the cramped cinema seats for three hours. It's a, quite a, <laughs> you know, like a long film. Uh, I really enjoyed most of it. I think that all of the bits on the island were amazing, and then basically everything not on the island I wasn't so high on back then. I think the definitely back in like two thousand and five ish, um, all of the you know the visual effects and the animation on Kong himself was awesome, um, and I still think it looks pretty good in the movie. Um, but you know. It was pretty enjoyable for something I was almost falling asleep uh, in right near the end. Yeah, this is a movie that I didn't see upon release, and I was planning to watch it before the episode, but unfortunately I saw that it was over three hours long and decided to skip out. And I watched it. Blade Runner and everything. I know, right? But come on, James, you've got to pick something better than fucking King Kong to make me watch. Like what? a kind of ordinary action thriller. For what it's worth, I am very familiar with this movie i'm pretty sure i've seen bits and pieces of it on on tv over the years and i followed i remember reading the review of this in pvc power play when it first came out so it's not exactly like i was going in completely fresh but yes i i didn't quite sit down and watch the whole thing back to back because mm, i um with the game itself i remember my first experience with the game was a friend um you know at his house watching him play the game and thinking it was so cool i wanted to play it too um, and I really, really enjoyed the game um, on my first time through it on console, you know, nearly 20 years ago now. 
Um, so I was really kind of keen to see if this would hold up. I suspect it, it probably has aged pretty poorly in some respects, but there were a couple of little bits and pieces through the game that were as good as I remembered, which is interesting. Yeah, and I'll be keen to get into the discussion of that. So before you rudely interrupted me in the intro, James, I was introducing us as the Retrospectives podcast. And what we do here on the show is we play and review classic games of the past with the intention of reviewing them from a modern perspective. We're not here to evaluate these games in the context and the times of which they were produced or try to reminisce on our memories of these games when they first released. We just want to know, was it an enjoyable experience to play today? And is it worth your time to sit down and play them today? We do all that hard work uh, potentially exposing ourselves to garbage, which has happened on a few occasions, so you don't have. So King Kong, let's talk a little bit about this game. So it is loosely based on Peter Jackson's 2005 movie of the same name and was developed by Ubisoft Montpellier and, as I said before, released before the movie did. You take the role of Jack Driscoll, an aspiring actor. No, he's an actual actor at this stage. And eventually... He's a writer, isn't he? Uh, Jack Driscoll, I th- he's the lead actor, right? He's a bit of both, I thought. I thought he both. was the writer and the... Yeah. yeah. And so you take the role of him and eventually King Kong himself. There's a bit of uh, changing player perspective as you run around an island killing bugs and dinosaurs. The basic setup of the story is it starts with a film director called Carl acquiring a mysterious map showing the location of a place called Skull Island. Him, his film crew, and the lead actors for his planned movie, Jack and Anne, are all head aboard and are immediately in huge trouble. They wash ashore, they have to fight for their lives to survive, and eventually they have a run-in with the native inhabitants who capture them and give up Anne to King Kong as some kind of sacrifice. And then the story goes on from there. I won't I won't spoil it any more than that, except to say that there's a bit of a romp around the island, and they eventually leave the island and go back to New York City. Um, a little bit about how we played this game. So as James suggested, we played King Kong Gamers Edition. Uh, so the reason we selected, or more importantly, I selected this version over the other PC version and over most of the other versions is that the PC version looks the best. It runs at the highest frame rate. Specifically, the Gamers Edition, there's a mod slash widescreen field of view fix because the default field of view of this game is like 55 or something. And to me, not not so much to James, but to me, that is like poison in my eyes. It's like knives being stabbed in my eyes. It isn't pleasant. But luckily, there's a field of view multiplier, which field of view multiplier, which makes, you know, your arms look kind of goofy, but makes the less rest of the game look far more reasonable. Yeah, and um, I actually had a lot of technical issues with this one that Patrick seems to not have had. Um, this might have been due to him installing the widescreen fix a lot sooner than I did. Um, I got a lot of crashes with this game, like a lot. Um, and this game has no autosave, so I was often replaying like an hour, an hour and a half of gameplay if I forgot to save which was, you know, quite frustrating. I had lots more than that. So with the the PC version unlocks the frame rate and allows you to play, you know, the minimum of 60. I think the game was originally launched on console at 30 frames per second and there are a lot of visual bugs and artifacts that happen if you play above that and you know, you kind of have to 
um, because the you know the minimum of the PC version is 60. Um, so one of these is that textures will often fly off infinitely into the distance, and so you'll get all these crisscrossing lines of grass um, extended forever on your screen. Um, the PC version disables VSync, so you'll get a lot of screen tearing unless you're playing at about, you know, even when I bumped my FPS up to like 140, um, I was still like noticing that and it was quite jarring. And then at that frame rate, there was a lot of, you know, gameplay bugs as well. One of which was, um, there's a sort of like ragdoll effect that a bunch of the enemies have. And man, it goes kind of crazy the higher the frame rate is. They just like start bugging through walls. It's kind of funny. Um, none of that uh, I had on the original version of the game, um, which I, you know, downloaded to double check and have a look at some gameplay online. So, Honestly, I would say that my experience with this PC version of the game was worse than my, you know, original experience on the PS2. So to me, I would probably recommend, you know, if you're going to play this one, emulating it so long as the FOV issues aren't like a deal breaker for you. Yeah, so I, I did encounter some uh, visual bugs without artifacting but i didn't encounter any crashes um i and the screen tearing i had was far lower so i'm wondering if this widescreen fix that i thought was just a simple field of view fix actually fixed more than i expected maybe there was more to it than i thought but uh i didn't encounter these issues and since this is primarily an fps game i'm very happy i'm not playing it on console and i definitely wouldn't recommend emulating it so it's probably if you're going to play this game it's probably worth messing around with the settings uh if you cannot get it to work and you're experiencing what james is fair enough emulate it but give the pc version a go first is what i'd say Honestly, I'd actually argue that the difference in playing this game on mouse and keyboard is not that different to playing it on controller. This game has auto aim assist out the arse. Yeah, that's fair. And on mouse and keyboard, I actually found the um, the auto aim was so... And you can't turn it off on the PC. It, feel, it makes the game feel quite mushy on mouse and keyboard. And I, ne I had not noticed this at all with controller, obviously. Um, and I kind of felt uncomfortable playing with guns during the entirety of the game because of it. Um, it just felt bad to me. Um, so, you know, you kind of avoid that problem if you just use a controller, but, you know, up up to you. Well, also, I would say that aiming and aiming is not, you know, real. it's not an important part of the game, I guess. Most of the time you're shooting at enemies at point blank range, so it doesn't doesn't end up mattering too much either way. So yeah, I mean, if you don't have my inbuilt prejudice against console FPS games, then this is probably not a bad one to try on console. So we talked a little bit about how we're going to structure this, and we figured we'd do the same thing that we did for Blade Runner, where we talked about the aesthetic of this game first. And I haven't seen the movie, but I have skimmed through it, so I'm familiar with what the game I'm familiar with what the movie looks like and what it's trying to evoke, even if I don't know it quite as well as James. It just seems like a natural place to start for how well does this game adapt the aesthetic and feeling of the movie. So James, I'm going to start with you because you're more familiar with this game. How, where would you like to start with discussing the aesthetic of King Kong? Yes, I think all of the gameplay sections on the island are probably the place to start. Um, for the most part, I do think the game manages to capture... Um, a lot of the atmosphere that the movie is trying to go for, and in some places I think um, manages to surpass it. I think this game has a problem 
outside of all of the stuff that's unique to the game, but the content that's unique to the game, I think they do a fairly good job through the sound design and the in less so the visuals, but the sound design in particular, they managed to capture a fairly like tense and suspenseful atmosphere in some parts. Not always, um, but I think there are some little standout moments like that first bit when you land on the beach. The rain in that section is like the most torrential rain uh, I've experienced in a video game. It's like bucketing down right at the beginning. I thought that was great. Um, and there's all these like, you know, these bits where you're going through these creepy dark caves filled with, you know, massive insects crawling all over the walls. Um, and I think they do a pretty good job of making, you know, you feel pretty tense in these situations. So I want to hone in on a specific thing that I think the game kind of does well, kind of doesn't. And that's specifically a lot of the uh, texturing and lighting. So the world or the the location of Kong Island is meant to be very swampy and temperate and kind of dank. And I think that 90% of the game you are in this kind of environment in the game you know it's kind of like dark and gray with moss growing over everything etc etc but I think there's a problem here I think the graphics in this game at least today feel kind of washed out and I think that that's probably mainly an issue with the lighting uh, if you look at what the movie does the movie has a lot more you know well-designed lighting and subtleties and nuances to its lighting that bring these environments to life. When I was moving through Kong Island in the game, it kind of looked washed out and drab and, you know, admittedly gloomy, but not in a way that I found particularly atmospheric. It felt just a little plain for my life, for my taste. Yeah, and I'd agree with that. And I think um, you're completely on the mark there with the lighting because i think the visual design basically matches um between the game mm. and the movie but like the excitement isn't really supposed to come from the environment itself rather the fantastical creatures within it you know namely the dinosaurs and the giant insects but you know where the movie kind of dresses things up with some like pretty lights and filters and that kind of thing yeah the the money textures of the ps2 game don't really do the same thing here <laughs> yes and also the while the movie is mostly fairly gloomy there are bits particularly when the sun is rising where you get a lot more color and greenery which just mm. never never emerges here it's always that same kind of washed out texturing so i just want to say it wasn't atrocious by any stretch but it felt very drab and plain and you know i would say the atmosphere conveyed by like a game with far more primitive textures a game like quake actually ends up being superior to the specifically when it comes to the texturing um of this game i do think the sound of this game however is fantastic and does a lot of heavy lifting to make up for the kind of ordinary looking environments yeah it's kind of interesting with texture isn't it because there's like when you have such a low level of detail you kind of hit this point where your imagination can carry it for you um, but here it's like right on that border of mm. like it's not graphically impressive but there's enough detail that you can't do anything with your brain right yeah i guess the thing that came to mind while i was playing this was crisis now crisis came out two years after king kong crisis is obviously ridiculously far ahead of, of its time uh for its graphical performance but a lot of crisis takes place inside a temperate jungle and even though crisis doesn't look nearly as good as it did all those years ago 
it is on the right side of the graphical fidelity, whereas I think King Kong falls on the wrong side of it. Yeah, it's interesting too, because this game did look really good when it first came mm -hmm. out. Like, in some ways, is one of the more, like, technically advanced games that we've covered ever. But in some ways, because the art style isn't super strong on its own, it doesn't carry it as some of the older, you know, less technically advanced, but more like artistic games definitely do. It really shows the value of lighting as well, because the other yeah. technically advanced game that comes to mind is Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. That's a game we did where I think you can say that you know, a lot of the texture work probably isn't as impressive as it is in this game, but Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, they wanted to make a game where lighting was a core component of the experience. And as a result, it just, you know, feels better to move through that world. Like, honestly, I think lighting is almost like the number one thing um, that can separate something from looking good from looking bad. Not just like you know lighting in a video game sense but if you have like a 2d drawing like proper shading and contrast makes things pop to the eye so much better and the lack of contrast here yeah it's it's pretty noticeable um but let's go back to sound because you mentioned mm. that um because i actually think that sound design in this game is like fantastic like mm. really really good um so i mentioned it before so there's lots of little enemies in this game like bugs dinosaurs that kind of thing and they all make these really unnerving sounds, particularly these centipede, millipede kind of enemies that are massive and they can crawl all over the ceiling and wrap around in circular caves. And those things make the most uncomfortable, disgusting sounds. And when you, you know, part of the gameplay in this game is that you'll often have spears which you can throw. And man, when you spear a millipede into the wall and it's just shrieking its creepy bug noises, ugh. That's that's when, you know, the suspense and the tension in the atmosphere is, you know, um, a lot better to me um, than, you know, what the visuals can do for it. And I agree, James. And like you said, there's a big gameplay component here. This game relies a lot on giving you accurate feedback through audio. We'll probably jump into it in a second, but there's no visible UI in this game. So the audio feedback you get from interacting with your environment is really important. And certainly having that audio feedback on every gunshot you fire, um, the way enemies flinch as you shoot them and make a noise to let you know that, yes, they're flinching, I'm kind of safe from them at the moment, is a very important part of the overall experience. Yeah, and this was like one of the like marketing points of this game when it came out. And I remember this very clearly in magazines and, you know, um, advertisements on the TV. This game has no UI. This is supposed to be like a historical media defining thing <laughs> where video games, you know, become art or whatever and rely on sound and visuals in order to get, in order to convey information, right? Rather than having these nasty, colorful bars on the screen. Um, how, did, how did you feel about this? Because I don't think like this trend has really caught on that much. Like, yes, UIs are a bit more minimalistic these days, you know, much to my chagrin, actually, but because hmm. um, I love stuff like, you know, Diablo's goofy UI. I love that stuff. But this game, you know, it was trying to do something. Do you think that's held up? So I actually think that it's excellent. And it, it's basically been adopted by some of the more hardcore fps games that have been released in recent years there's mods that remove the ui completely for stalker uh the metro series which is kind of like 
linear stalker games with the last with the later game uh last light i think it's called the one on the railway being far more open and more stalkerish the hardest version of the difficulties completely removed the ui uh, escape from tarkov also from that same broad gameplay tree has versions where you have zero ui it's interesting to see it here in a far more cinematic kind of game which with less of a hardcore focus on resource management but a baseline level i have no problems with this and in fact i quite enjoy using audio feedback as a way to deliver this information to you it certainly helps with immersion um I think that if you're going to make a game with more complex gameplay, like for example, let's say you were managing five to six different guns at once, this kind of thing ends up being more annoying. So you're saying Doom Eternal can do this. <laughs> yeah, Do Doom Eternal, you know, your classic FPS games, it it's not a good good match for that. But in the funnily enough in the more hardcore gaming sim like games it's an excellent fit and the thing that makes those games so good it, well one of the things is their immersion pack so this was a great move i i, I love it i don't think it's probably fully utilized in a gameplay sense but the way it is used here is effective and it's well done yeah and because like really the only you know issues that you might run into i thought were maybe aiming health and ammo and those things are all handled fairly well although maybe maybe you could have just had a single reticule on the screen um you don't you don't need it like the the idea that you need to aim down the sights in order to take an accurate shot versus hip fire completely fine like that's there, there is a way to aim with your weapon and even with the spear uh, you get to zoom in to to make a more accurate shot i think the most notable thing is definitely the way you check your ammo count and all the audio cues you get when you reload your weapon and so on and so forth that's the bit that really stands out as a commitment to not having a yeah because jack basically reloads his weapon and then says like two backup mags on standby or something like that to let you know mm. on you you know you can press i on the keyboard um in order for him to tell you exactly how much ammo and i really never had like ran into a problem where i unexpectedly had no ammo because this game kind of does this thing where um you'll get guns but you won't have that much ammo but all over the you know the gameplay world there are spears that you can or like bones you can pick up to throw and those are you know generally better than the guns in my experience so it doesn't matter too much and also you know uh lack of aiming reticule in a game where you can like hip fire a sniper rifle at long range and have it hit not that important <laughs> um while we're on the topic of immersion i kind of wanted to mention the npcs briefly because i think they're actually oh, absolutely they're kind of reactive aren't they like um one thing you can do is you can look at an npc and you can press like the action button and your character will yell out at them and then they'll turn to you and you'll throw you know you'll swap weapons basically they'll throw you their gun from a big distance and you'll throw them yours um something that happened a lot was that you'd have two npcs with you and if one of them got shot down the other npc would run pick them up and start trying to carry them behind cover which i thought was like because the first time it happened i thought it might be scripted but no it's just something that happens naturally when they get injured um and i think that 
all that kind of stuff did help my immersion a bit as well. Yeah, it was okay. I, I wouldn't say this particularly stood out for me. Mostly these NPCs in their gameplay point of view are not annoying. Like sometimes they'll get an enemy on them and you need to help them. And in fact, there's some sections with a sniper rifle where that's a key part of the gameplay. But they're not um, painful escort quests either. Um, but I, I still did view them as just like NPCs doing the thing uh, from a gameplay point of view. I think... Um, what I want to highlight is Jack Black is fucking awesome and is the best voice actor <laughs> yeah. in this game by far. Is it even, and he's is far it even and away. really him? I think, I feel like... It is, yeah. Is I'm pretty it sure actually? it is. I, I, I think, swear I it's a copycat. I'm like 90%, I, uh, close to 100% sure that every actor in this is actually the actor from the movie. They got them to do both. Right, that's great. Yeah. Because I kind of... He's great. He's so like, funny. He's the best character. He's so yeah. funny, yeah. Because Jack Black in this game does not give a fuck about the danger or ridiculousness of the situation he's in. He, instead of engaging in combat most of the time, he's got his camera out and he's just filming everything and he thinks it's the most spectacular thing ever. And the excitement he gets from the deadliness of the encounters is just is just so funny. The, the only thing that stands out is no one calls him out for his shit. It's like they know he's going to be this way and they just let him do his thing. He's like borderline sociopathic, right, to his love. Yeah. It's like he just does not care if anyone's in danger. It's like someone getting... Even himself. It's, yeah. it's, not, even like, it's not even like he lacks any empathy it like he doesn't care about himself all he cares about is getting fantastic uh footage there's one of the one of his best lines is when uh he's like man i was filming while i was being carried by that pter pterodactyl i think i just invented the aerial shot <laughs> yeah it's amazing um and i felt like i think the game pushes it to such an extreme degree that it kind of made the very last line in the game that's supposed to be kind of like <laughs> it's poignant so funny. it's so funny <laughs> It comes across. <laughs> it comes across as uh, so autistic. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just like this guy just has no self awareness. Whereas, like in the movie, the final line is poignant. Here, it's like so so comical. Yeah, I I thought that was hilarious as well. I was like, the fuck? That's how you're ending your movie? <laughs> he really shouldn't have been the one to say it. Uh, absolutely, it was like. Mate, you were the one that killed the monkey. <laughs> like you were the one that killed Kong. It was it was bullets that killed Kong. Yeah, uh, it was you throwing gas canisters at him. <laughs> it's also part of the problem that you know the movie has all of these bits with the character development that we don't get in the game. Like obviously, and I, th yes. I think that was the right choice. Like before they even get to Kong Island in the movie, there's like an hour. Like, it's, it's a huge section of them, you know, developing these characters up and the love story and all that kind of stuff. So when you cut all of those story beats out, it just seems fucking stupid. Uh, it works overall, though, because it means that the game doesn't have bits where you're sitting there staring at a cutscene for hours at end. But uh, I agree, James. I would burst out laughing at that ending. It's so funny. Yeah, it is a bit jarring. Hey, like, I think it's bad. Um... Like, because the start of the game is just they play this like really, really, really low resolution version of the opening of the movie, you know, condensed to like two minutes rather than an hour. And 
it does not do the job of setting up the game properly unless you've seen the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, it must come across as so bizarre. I think part of the problem is so much of the gameplay is rescuing the princess. Like, it's trying to rescue Anne. And in the movie, you've got an hour of the build-up of this relationship. In this, it's just... You just immediately get into trying to rescue her. You don't get that emotional intensity or attachment to the characters that you might have had in the movie. And I feel the same way about the ending. It just kind of like wraps up really quickly all of a sudden. Real fast. Like it's yeah. so quick. It's like there's like seven, eight hours it's a ten, of build ten up. section. Yeah, and it finishes so quickly. Uh, I would say that the start, the end, and probably the characterization missing where Anne, you know, goes from being afraid of Kong to being, you know, to liking him, basically. I think that mm. was rushed, and that was, you know, a really important part of the game. Uh, I think the game actually does a pretty good job of developing or at least displaying the relationship between Kong and Anne you know, during gameplay quite well. I agree. It, but it's it's like, when the, it's not when the characters are talking, it's like when you're playing the game, which is quite rare, I find, in games, because, like, you're protecting her, and there are these sections where you need to, like, gently pick her up and put her down, you know, without her dying, because you're massive. And that kind of, like gentleness from the character comes across in these gameplay sections really well i thought so in in general the animation is quite good yes like no complaints about the animation they've brought all of these creatures you know fantastical creatures fucking dinosaurs and a giant ape to life something i don't know if if this is just me james did King Kong seem, like, small to you? Uh, he was gigantic. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is me going mad, but in my head, King Kong was, like, bigger than than he seemed to be. But I, as it went on, it I, it I stopped noticing, so maybe I'm just crazy. Yeah, maybe you are. Um, one thing about the animations that did annoy me, um... I thought what I remember as a kid, I like the the kill animations for killing the T Rex on Kong, where you like rip their mouth open. Yeah, it's like yeah. he puts his hands in their mouth and like mm. fully opens the jaw until it snaps. It's like that is so brutal. But the actual like last second of the animation, they kind of chicken out and don't show it properly. <laughs> maybe maybe to get a better rating so they can sell this game yeah. to kids. A hundred percent. But that's uh, what it was. It, I feel like that could be so cool and it's a bit of a missed opportunity. Like half of the death animations just like they should be savage and brutal, right? Like that's the nature of these, you know, animals. It's not God of War, is it? No, it's <laughs> which, not. Which I'm pretty sure did not have the PG rating. No. That's, that's where it is. So, so overall, James, how do you feel about how this game captured the aesthetic and feel of the movie um mixed bag honestly like the sound design perfect great i love everything about the sound design the visual design sometimes it was okay um i think all of the sections that were were like one-to-one -one copying the movie weren't that great but stuff like crawling through the caves or the swamps like were really atmospheric and tense at times and i thought they nailed it there's one particular shot where the brontosaurus you know herd comes into view for the first time where the music mm. swells um and that was a fantastic like cinematic moment so um start and end are kind of like garbage but there are bits and pieces you know throughout that i think are good but it's a very mixed bag i think yeah and i'm mostly on the same page i think that a lot of it i think the the weakest part of this is definitely the texturing and i think that 
if this game had come out a few years later and they'd be able to get the lighting right, it would have tipped over the edge and too good for me. Um, overall, yeah, basically agree. Sound fantastic, animation fantastic. Jack Black continues to be a fucking champion. Uh, but uh, yeah, didn't didn't fall in love with this one as much as I did Blade Runner, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Um, you know, we've been talking about, about the sound. We can go do a music break then. Um, I actually quite liked a lot of the music. One thing that I like a lot about it actually was that the game knew when to not play music um, and just have ambient sound. And it did a really good job of this, like it felt eerie. And But then when the music did kick in, you know, they used like really eerie sounding string sections and like these deep and ominous sounding horns. I, you know, the soundtrack's orchestral, but I think it really well fit in with the theme of the, the island, especially, you know, when those really ominous sounding tribal drums kick in and, the you know, almost, you know, the string sections from a horror movie almost. It's, uh, it's perfect. Like, I, I really have no complaints here, particularly in terms of it matching the aesthetic of Kong Island. You couldn't have asked for better. It's 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 a great soundtrack. Once again, not the kind of soundtrack I'd listen to in my own time, but in terms of how it complements the game, it's it's just great. Yeah, and um, Patrick and I did this thing where we both, like, picked the same song to play in the music break, so mm. I think we'll go for that for the first one. Um, it's called Vampires of the Sky. There are a lot of you know, scary blood-sucking bats and, you know, giant bats <laughs> throughout the island. And the theme that plays, you know, in the main section with the first boss, um, I think is really great and really stuck with me throughout the entirety of the game and listening to it again um, on the soundtrack on its own. I still think it's really great. So this is Vampires of the Sky. So with that, James, I believe it is time to talk about the gameplay. Yeah, yeah. And this is where our impressions may start to get a bit more critical. I mean, I'll say what you think, but for me, certainly. Yeah, well, I didn't think you would like this, to be honest, when I picked this game, right? Like, uh, I know you're one of those classic, you know, 2000s PC gamers that just wants to, you know, just wants gameplay in their games, right? And whereas I, as a, you know, mostly growing up as a console gamer, um ended up you know quite liking this kind of experience um we did another game that was a bit of a linear cinematic adventure with republic commando um and we thought that was okay um and i was kind of like wondering like patrick what is it that actually 
you know, is there something that this genre could do to win you over? Like what, what to you makes a good linear cinematic game? So before we do, I, I think it might be a good idea to basically restate what the difference is, if you don't mind me taking the mic for a second. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So basically, I would say the fundamental difference between a game like King Kong and your classic FPSs or immersive sims or yesteryear were are the design principles behind them what what these games are trying to achieve when you look at a game like doom or duke 3d or dusk or blood or immersive sims they kind of put gameplay front and center they're designing levels they're designing different enemies they're designing different guns they're designing different resources whether it's health or power-ups or ammo and they're scattering them around the map and they're trying to give you a dynamic interesting gameplay focused experience where you're trying to kill all these things and not die in interesting ways that's the focus they're not trying to specifically curate an experience they're trying to well they kind of are but it's more like here's a bunch of stuff go for it whereas this kind of game a king kong or as we've played most recently a star wars republic commando uh, it's far more about guiding you through a set of cool set pieces. So a lot of the time it will be, here's a cool set piece where something sweet is happening and you get to experience it. Then we're going to have a bit of us talking and interacting with each other, a dialogue or story heavy bit. And then we're going to move on to the next cool set piece. So to answer your question, James, what what could this genre do to more appeal to me? It's a tough question because in a lot of ways, I think that the solution for me to enjoy these kinds of games more is to remove the gameplay. If you're going to make the gameplay such a shallow and overall unimportant part of the experience, it almost feels to me insulting to have it there. It's like, what am I doing? This is This is boring. This is grinding. Like, I'm not actually engaging with this gameplay in a meaningful way. So what about we get rid of this and just focus on telling a fantastic story-based experience like What Remains of Edith Finch or Gone Home or what Everyone's Gone to the More Rapture like a walking or whatever sim, one you right? choose. Yeah, a walking sim. I love walking sims. Walking sims are one of my favorite genres because I like stories and I like interactive storytelling. But when there's like, why chuck in shitty gameplay, just get rid of that part and replace it with something better. We talked a little bit about this and I think that like something like Bioshock is probably pretty close to what I want in, in a cinematic experience. But even that has such a significant gameplay component to it. And you can, you can mince words about whether it's a good or bad gameplay experience, but there is a significant chunk of gameplay informing a lot of what you actually do in Bioshock. So it's tough, James. I don't know. I, I feel like at my at heart of hearts, I'm just fundamentally biased against this genre. Even the genre's darlings like The Last of Us, I just don't really click with. Like, I don't like this set piece, walking and talking split that, that seems to dominate the genre. Yeah, I think there are some big problems that these kinds of genres can have. Like, to me, these games are the most enjoyable when, you know, A, the gameplay that splits up the narrative bits is fun. Um, and B, 
they have good cutscenes, basically. Like, to me, spectacle, you know, comes across better either in big set-piece gameplay sections or in really cool-looking cutscenes. Something, you know, like Uncharted or, you know, FF10 has great cutscenes and that makes, you know, the narrative bits fine. What I really don't like in these games are these half-assed middle-of-the-road things. Like, I'm okay to be you know, to do like 20 seconds of gameplay and then, you know, have the game ripped away from me for a cutscene. I'm fine with constant interruptions like that. What I'm not fine with is when the game, like, you're still controlling your character, but you're like locked in a room with a locked door and the NPC is talking to you and you're just like standing there not doing anything mm. and you can't actually like progress the game. You just have to wait. And it doesn't look cool because it's not a cutscene. You're just standing in a room listening. Like to me, you either go the whole way, just take control away from the character, have a cool looking cutscene, or you have sections that are like pure gameplay or light gameplay with enough dialogue that it's almost like multitasking so you don't notice the shallow gameplay right yeah and honest to god modern games like the last of us and red dead redemption they don't literally lock you in a room but they may as well be it's like okay get up on this horse driven cart with a guy and while he drives from location a to b and he speaks at you for 10 minutes or walk along slowly with your companion and then get a ladder and put that ladder down for them and then they climb the ladder and so on and so forth it's exactly the fucking yep. same it's it's, it's fake cutscenes. yeah yeah. yeah, it's fake cutscenes. It's lazy. Like, there's like, what is enjoyable about those things, right? Like, you know, there's no visual spectacle. There's no engaging gameplay. It's just like the worst of both worlds at the same time. And you can have, yep. you know, the good bits where, you know, you're playing Uncharted, right? And there's a puzzle and during like the puzzle is engaging and the characters are talking the whole time. So, you know, it might not be the hardest puzzle in the world, but it's at least fun and doing like a like a pretty engaging task while half listening to people talking you get a lot more out of it because you know only half of your attention is going into the gameplay so it can be a little you know not as in you know not as involved not as difficult and then there's my preferred way of doing it what i think is the best way of doing it and it's audio logs you discover an audio log you decide whether you want to listen to it or not you listen to it for as long as you desire and then you continue playing the game or you explore the environment while listening to it or whatever. It lets you engage with the story exactly as much as you choose and you get to continue doing whatever the hell you want to do if you're uninterested in it. You're never locked in a room. It's just the story is there for you to engage at the pace you choose. Any of these things are superior to what a game like King Kong does. In recent years, actually, I've started to disagree with what you just said. Sure. So basically with audio logs, those games have fairly involved gameplay, so I cannot listen to those like dense story logs and play the game at the same time. So basically what happens is I walk up and I stand still in a room for like two minutes, like until it finishes, and then I start playing again. Mm. So that's fair enough. Like if that's how you have to engage with it, that'd be frustrating. Yeah. Um so I, I view audio logs as just one part of the puzzle, by the way. Like, if you look at Prey, it's observing the environment, 
discovering data logs on the floor and notes on the floor and reading yeah. emails. And then audio logs are another component of the overall storytelling. But yeah, if you can't multitask with that, which, you know, is something, you know, I'm not exactly fighting monsters as I'm listening to audio logs. I can see how it would just be yet another fake cutscene. <laughs> yeah. And all this is to say is that there are significant parts of the you know peter jackson's king kong the official game of the movie um that <laughs> force you to sit in a room um they have these doors that have two poles that you can you know grab and spin you know you put a lever into the vertical pole and you push it and over the course of like 30 seconds the door raises while you listen to people talking and they do this like well, like 20 to 30 times or so. <laughs> 30 times, I think, is about what you need to do. It's kind of like, this is how the game is fundamentally designed. This is what they were trying to achieve. What they want to do is they want to say, all right, in this area, we're going to do this thing. It might be we're being ambushed by bugs or there are two dinosaurs and you need to um, keep jumping in water to avoid being shot or like this is the boss battle. And at the end of it, there's going to be two levers you have to find to stick into these poles to open the door. And then we're going to do it again and again and again and again. And that is the structure of the game from start to finish. That is what is that is the fundamental design principle that they that they want to take you on. That's the journey that the game developers want to take you on. It isn't. We want to create a really cool gameplay experience. No, it's we want to show you 30 set pieces over the course of this video game that are kind of fun to experience. And unfortunately for me, that's just not, it doesn't lead to a deep and engaging gameplay experience. It leads to a shallow and kind of unengaging experience, particularly when some of these sequences aren't nearly as exciting as or interesting as the developers may have hoped. Yeah, there are parts where they get this right, I think. Like, um, in the swamp, there is this section where you constantly alternate between, you know, shooting the monsters so each person can cross the river. These sections mm -hmm. have gameplay and characters talking to each other at the same time. If the whole game was like this, you know, maybe, you know, that section maybe dragged gameplay-wise a bit, but if the whole game was like that, I would be higher on it, right? Um, this whole, like, you do a bunch of sections where no one talks and then you do you know pushing the log for 30 seconds or you listen to the you know the narrative instead of a cutscene. that's kind of annoying to me <laughs> and is the exact mm -hmm. thing we were talking about before um I, I i do think that part of the reason it rubs me wrong in this particular game is i actually think they had some seeds of fantastic gameplay ideas here like gameplay ideas that if this game had been developed as a, you know, with game mechanics at its core, they could have done some really cool things. Like, for example, there's fire and the way fire works with scrub. There are, fire makes your weapon do more damage, but more importantly, it burns grass. Unfortunately, the way this foliage and burn system isn't used, it's not used in big open environments to like, affect stealth or remove cover or act as a distraction the main reason you have to destroy scrub is that the scrub is in front of a lever for you to go pick up to put in a pole to open a door 
that that's how these mechanics are utilized it's it's all about opening doors um there's this really cool system where you can spear some bait and then you can use that bait to fend these creatures to other locations there's this cool mechanic where creatures will eat other creatures what is the main use of these mechanics it's to get to a lever to open a fucking door over and over again when if they had bloody designed some cool stealth ideas around this when they had these if they had open-ended environments this could have been some some fucking cool gameplay that hadn't really been done before so i'm particularly annoyed at at the wasted potential of some of these mechanics james yeah and i wanted to talk obviously about this these systems because this is to me the best part about the game by far mm. and the bit that i remember loving you know when i first played it close to 20 years ago was the spear system and the way that the spear and all the other you know the um, things in the game interacted with each other right like you've got a spear you can stab things you can throw the spear you can impale enemies into walls and then shoot them um, you can set the spear on fire you can throw the flaming spear over a wall to you know burn some grass that's impeding your progress you can lure enemies into grass and then set the grass on fire to burn the enemies like it's actually really, really cool, like you said, how all of this stuff, you know, works together. And it's, I agree, it's kind of sad that there's only maybe two or three sections in the game that really utilize all these things at once, you know, to half their potential. Because <laughs> um, it, was, it wasn't designed that way. That's not what the game is about. The game's about set piece door, set piece door. So when your structure is like that, you're very limited in what you can do within those spaces. Also, as a console era FPS, the level design is tiny and cramped because they can only load levels of a certain size. And this is what all of the console FPSs, apart from Halo, bizarrely, uh, tend to be like. Yeah, that's true. I remember when I was watching footage from the trailers for Breath of the Wild, um, and I got this feeling mm. of, I guess, emergent gameplay or like a, a level of interactivity in that game's world that I hadn't mm. felt since this game, actually, back in 2005. Because when this game came out, all of this like interweaving system stuff was so novel and cool to me, like the fact that you could flame your spear and throw it and all of this, you know, you could do without, you know, a complex UI that told you everything. You just kind of like naturally used it all. That was awesome. Um, mm. Playing it again now uh, and I'm, you know, and having played more complex games since then, yeah, that annoyance that it's not living up to its potential really, really does get to you a bit. Yeah, and I think at some level, and because of this, you know, I'm being somewhat unfair comparing it to these other FPS games because I acknowledge that this wasn't the intention, but I think that a, a better comparison point is maybe Star Wars Republic Commando because Star Wars Republic Commando, as I said, is another, like, linear set PC kind of FPS, but I think that for all that I criticize the shallowness of Republic Commando, it at least had these sections where the gameplay opened up and you had multiple places to send your squad and there were different kinds of enemies that you dealt with in different ways it still felt like 
there was a lot of thought put into the gameplay systems in practice. Here it feels as though they came up with this the all these cool ideas and then they just didn't do anything interesting with it. So I, I to me the it's a basket of really good ideas and it's not that I hate <laughs> in the moment I don't hate, you know, spearing a bug and you know, using that to distract an enemy to get somewhere. I think we're being too harsh. Maybe, maybe I I do agree. This this is kind of like all of my angst against this era of FPS is coming out, and I do admit that I'm kind of reviewing the entire time period as opposed to specifically King Kong. I think that playing with spears in this game feels fucking fantastic. Like the entire way through. You know, they have a real weight to them. Like, when you hit enemies, they go flying, and you can, you know, spear these giant millipedes into walls where they'll shriek and spaz out, and then you can throw another one to lock it into the walls so you can shoot it, or you can set them on fire. It's it's fun to aim at a distance. Like, I, 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 love, I love, you know, the bow and arrow combat of, you know, the Elder Scrolls Oblivion and Skyrim. There's not a lot of that kind of first-person... Uh, throw throw or shoot an arc projectile so there's something fundamentally satisfying about throwing spears like it, it is it is enjoyable on a baseline level and you can get really fast at it it's kind of weird like i feel like some games would limit because you get these bone piles that have infinite, infinite spears <laughs> and what you get good at is if you stand on the spear and you kind of like you know use your fingers quick enough you can basically like instantly pick up and throw a spear so you're throwing like you know five a second basically it's like you're machine gunning these things it feels really great once you like you know get that bit of finger dexterity down and you can just throw them it's it's fun and and even the guns aren't bad like i've been complaining a lot about the um the gameplay but the guns feel good to use the sniper rifle the shotgun the machine gun less so the pistol but the, those other three guns they sound good they do good damage they're effective against the enemies and you get a lot of flinch from them the enemies are really reactive right yeah that's a big part of it like when you have the shotgun and there's like a little raptor in front of you it goes flying when you shoot it like mm. I think to me, like one of the things that makes combat feel bad is when you hit things and they don't react at all. Like you just see their health go down. Like the enemies in this game really react to getting hit. Like I think Dark Souls does it really well and it does it really well here. Like you brought it up this time. Yeah, I did. <laughs> we haven't done it in a while. It's been we like haven't. a long streak, time. Streak broken and it's all your fault, James. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, I think enemy reaction is one of the things that makes combat feel the most good and this game does it really really well did you feel it got start to get repetitive though yes. because i feel like within an hour to an hour and a half of the game it's about i don't know five to six hours long i, I don't know exactly i felt like i'd seen literally everything the game had to offer like i'd seen all of the enemies i'd seen yep. all the guns and i was like i'm kind of bit sick of this i agree with that generally when that happened i stopped playing and then the next time i came back i was like oh yeah the spears are fun to use and then <laughs> you know that would last for you know 20 minutes or so and then you know I'd... but it, it kept being fun when i came back to it which i think is important uh, the game is short i do think that you know if i was to play the game again i would quickly lose my enamorment with the system oh, nice word <laughs> um but it is fun like because yes. you know even though the structure i think lets this game down a lot even though the level design i think lets this game down a lot it still feels 
good to play most of the time and because of that like my overall feelings of the gameplay aren't as negative as we made out before i could it be better absolutely this game could be brilliant if they you know remade this game and kept all of the cool systems added to it and made the levels actually more engaging um there is one level that i thought was really good both you know gameplay was okay but like the set piece aspect of it was awesome the um yeah the raft and the the brontosaurus level where you're like running between their feet to get the mm. fire at the other end i think both of those sections were great um if if the rest of the game had been this engaging um you know i i would very happily recommend the game um but it's a bit uneven and you know these are kind of like standout sections rather than the norm they felt like deviations from the FPS formula, I guess, of running around just shooting the enemies over and over again. Yeah. I I just sorry, I know and listen, James, you are correct. I I fully admit, and this, you know, get ready for this, because you won't hear me admit this often. I fully admit that I was too negative there. <laughs> like King Kong at a baseline level is a fun game, and you can kind of jump in and kind of have a good time. But Everything in its design is designed to be so shallow and uninteresting. And I just want to bring up one more example of that before we before we move on. And that's the way you only ever have one weapon at a time. This game, with its system of checking how much ammo you have, could have had resource management as a gameplay component. It could have been like, guns are very powerful and rare, and you have, you know, your shotgun, which is good for the close engagements, the sniper rifle, good for long range, and, you know, your Tommy gun, your general all-rounder. And you could have been getting these different guns with different ammo allotments and taking them out at specific times to complement your spear. Instead, what happens in practice is there are crates all over the island. When you find a crate, you pick up whatever gun's in it, you use all the ammo in it, then you go back to throwing spears until you find the next gun. And towards the end of the game, I found that I was basically having no ammo issues at all. So this is just yet another area where I felt that there was wasted potential in this desire to keep things simple and smooth and flowing. And, you know, with this minimalistic UI and everything, it's another missed opportunity for gameplay depth that, that all the seeds for it were there. Honestly, I liked the spear much more than the guns to the point where, like, if I had ammo, I wasn't using too much of it anyway. <laughs> it was so, more fun. I agree. Yeah. Like, the, the, spe the spear is more fun to use. But if they'd made these guns powerful, like, they could have upped the power level, reduced how much ammo you ammo have, you I get? guess. Yeah, yeah, and made it more, like, survival like, horror make the sniper rifle a one-shot on the most powerful, you know, T-Rex-like monsters. <laughs> I think this is our bias towards um, Resident Evil Resident 1. Evil. <laughs> 1. <laughs> All games should be like Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love, I love scarce resources. It makes them feel meaningful, right? Like, yeah, when you spend absolutely. them, that's fun. And, yeah, I didn't feel that here, even though I was lost on this deserted island, like, <laughs> I felt like ammo should feel precious, but actually it's fucking everywhere. It's funny you say this, James, because we were having that discussion in our Discord about like farming sims, and I'm like, yeah, farming sims should take more after Resident Evil. <laughs> you should have you should have too few resources and your your farm should be suffering and you shouldn't be able to look after it properly. And to me, that's the perfect farming sim. The one that takes Resident Evil as its design document. <laughs> I mean, I just like every game where you know there's a strict resource management kind of thing going on um it is true that that is we both do love that 
Yeah, so the only other piece of music that really stood out to me was this, like, soundtrack piece called Lurking in the Shadows, um, also Mortal Wounds, because something that soundtracks often do, and we don't talk about this too often, is that, like, they'll write a single piece of music that actually is quite varied throughout the piece, and then they'll, like, get chunks of that song and then play that in specific sections to the point where you think they're different songs. Um, so actually, this track is comprised both of one of the ambient pieces and the so the music that plays when you're close to death. Um, and I think that, you know, both of these pieces on their own are pretty good, actually, although sometimes the death music got a bit annoying, <laughs> admittedly. Um, but I think musically it's great, just like the rest of the soundtrack. So this is Lurking in the Shadows. Okay, well, there's one more section of gameplay to go before we wrap up, and that is, of course, the Kong sections. Um, the first time I loaded into one of these, I was actually quite taken aback by how fluidly he felt to control, like, running around. Like, it's very hard to get stuck with Kong. Um, the actual, like, fighting bits, I was less high on, but the actual, like, fluid feeling of running around on walls and doing ledge clambering, you know, it almost felt like I was playing 
Prince of Persia? Yeah, I was playing the Dahaka, <laughs> right? This is the Dahaka chase scenes, but I'm playing the Dahaka, right? And uh, once again, the animation is a huge part of this. Like, Kong looks fantastic as he's slinging around. Like, it just captures the movie perfectly. Because the whole idea is Kong is this massive lumbering beast, but he's also incredibly agile. Uh, you know, the way his arms sling around objects, it just it just looks cool. It looks natural. So, yeah, I agree with you. Controlling Kong was sweet, even if I wish there had... Been, I wish there would be more of a focus on platforming with him and less of a focus on the combat. Combat, Because the combat okay. was... It wasn't, wasn't terrible. Like, it, just, it was just so simple. Uh, you yeah. just mash buttons and you, you got through everything. Whereas they could have built up the combat... Uh, sorry, the platforming to be a little more complicated. Not, not even anything crazy. I'm not expecting literally Prince of Persia, but they could have added some more stuff here and made that the focus of the Kong section. And I think that that would have elevated the Kong sections to probably the best part of the game. Yeah, I agree. I think that the fact that the gameplay is so, well, the actual combat bits are so repetitive is part of the problem. Um, you know, when they have a fairly set structure, like I liked the bits where the tribals were there and you were kind of like throwing stuff at them to knock them off their perches. Um, yeah, the throwing were... was good. I, I liked whenever I was throwing things. Yeah, and I liked like trying to find space to do the like the chest beating to get the power up because it mm -hmm. wasn't always super easy to get that. Sometimes I felt like the enemy hit me unfairly. Like it almost felt like I would they they looked like they were you know, stunned, and then they would just smack me across the room. Um, maybe that's intentional. Overall, the way I felt about these sections is that it felt like just another way to break up the FPS sections. Yeah. You know how you said there were some cool set pieces with the Brontosaurus and stuff? The Kong sections kind of felt like that to me, in that they were enjoyable more for the novelty and variety than any intrinsic value that in they the mechanical have gameplay yeah, yeah. and i, th I yeah. think that this kind of like linear narrative game can excel at doing this thing and the best ones just intersperse like so much you know fun uh set pc stuff that's enjoyable throughout right like if you minimize the the length of these sections then the depth isn't so much of a problem, right? Because you never get to the stage where you're starting to notice how limited it is. Mm. I think that thinking if... of Sly Cooper again, actually. That yeah. That you say that, that if you can keep mix it up enough and keep the novelty going long enough, the lack of depth of the mechanics is less important. Yeah, like I think if all the combat sections, all the enemies had half the amount of health, right? Like I just almost wouldn't have noticed. You know, because, you, you know, you're doing this so infrequently. So um, I do think that this is overall positive on the game. Like, I did find these fun. I do think it is cool to get to control this character. Mm. I do think that the narrative element of, you know, putting Anne gently down on the ledge really adds to the story in a way that most of the cutscenes do not. Um, so it's fun. Like, it's not super fun, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're additive. Um, but if they had gone on for much longer, I think I would have started to hate them. So yeah. they're used sparingly, and I'm glad that they were used sparingly. God, if they they could remake this game and make it really good, I think... Um, it would be a different game. Like, you'd have to make a, a, a successor to it for me to love it. But if you look at a game like Stalker, like an open-world survival resource management FPS, and fuse that with this game... 
man, you've got to you've got to hit on your hands because the stu- the the elements are here. Like it's all here. So I guess that brings us towards the end. So I think uh, we know where this is going, Pat. How about hmm. you tell us um, just how much you mm, were lukewarm about this game? I guess <laughs> I would put the emphasis on the Luke instead of the warm. I do not recommend King Kong. I think when you first start playing this game, it seems pretty reasonable. There are some interesting ideas. It flows pretty well. The spear throwing is decently fun. But the more you play, the more shallow you realize the fundamental experience is. It gets extremely repetitive quickly and it gets very boring quickly. And there's a particular pent up frustration because of their failure to do anything interesting with these ideas. I think that if you do play this game, you won't necessarily have as bad a time as I did, just because I find that this boring, repetitive, unengaging gameplay to me my Achilles heel. I'd rather do literally anything else. But I can't recommend it because there's nothing of substance here that makes it worth playing. And I don't think the story and aesthetic of King Kong really stands the test of time because it can't, because it's a cinematic game and we've evolved so much on that formula with titles like Reddit Redemption, The New God of War, Uncharted, even the new Assassin's Creed games kind of do some better versions of what King Kong is trying to achieve. So even though it's not an intrinsically bad experience at first, and you might be wondering what the big deal is, overall it just fails to hit in any way that really matters. I still mostly enjoyed my time with this one. Part of this is going to be that I played it when it came out and I really liked it then. So, you know, I'm definitely biased towards it um, out of nostalgia on some level. Um, But I genuinely think that the moment to moment, you know, gameplay, at least especially with the spears, can feel good. I do think it is, you know, there's something cool about how there's all these interlocking systems that, you know, maybe aren't as explored to their fullest potential. I I think that the weakest part of this title is for sure the story presentation. I just think the start and the end are just woefully incomplete, and I think that it really hurts the game. Like Patrick said, it's kind of a shallow experience, so even though I enjoyed this one, I don't think I would tell anybody to play it. Like, I wouldn't try to convince someone to play this game. If somebody told me they wanted to play it, I'd be like, yeah, sure. You know, you'll have a fun time if you're already on board, you know. Um, But this isn't the kind of title that I think, um, you know, you should go out of your way to play. There is, you know, some cool bits here, and I would love to see this remastered in a much better version. I think there is something special under the surface that just is not well realized in game. So, you know, ultimately I did not enjoy this one as much as I did the first time around. That said, it was still overall fun, but you know, it's just kind of aged kind of poorly. And this kind of cinematic game has been eclipsed so hard Mm -hmm. um, in the last, you know, 20 years since it came out, right? Like there's just been so many of these kinds of games since then, and they've all you know, had so much budget behind them that, you know, you're just going to have a better time playing a different one, to be honest. I think that's a really good point you raise at the end there. This is what the industry was honing. This is what it was focusing on with its Uncharted's and Last of Us's, etc., etc. This is what, so it makes, this is what has been developing, I guess, for over the years. So it makes sense that the early attempts at this would have been eclipsed. And they absolutely have, right? Like, uh, I can't really think, is there another like this is to me this is my first experience with a game this cinematic outside of maybe ff10 
I mean, the one that comes to mind is like Metal Gear Solid, perhaps. Although yeah. Metal Gear Solid is kind of like cutscene, absurdly long cutscene, then chunky gameplay bit. One of my biggest criticisms of Metal Gear Solid 4 has always been that I felt that the cutscenes in that game were, were not that the cutscenes were too long, but that the gameplay bits in between cutscenes was too short. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Because Metal say- Gear Solid has really generally deep systems. Yes. In in relatively it has short, both, right? Yeah, it has short gameplay chunks, but you know you can do so much crazy shit in that short amount of time, um, and you you can replay those games many many times and still yeah. find new shit. Mel Mel Gear Solid is a bad comparison because it's like the opposite. Mel Gear Solid is not shallow. Mel Gear Solid is incredibly deep, and like the with every iteration dense, right? they just got deeper and denser and denser and denser yeah i guess like call of duty 4 is, is a good one like that game came out 2007 so but even so it's like yeah more more sophisticated more modern version of this uh that was probably the first one that i was fully properly exposed to i mean all these games have their roots back in half-life but it the way Half-Life and Call of Duty 1 did it was far more balanced. It wasn't literally locking you in rooms nearly as much. Yeah, that's true. Did you enjoy Call of Duty 4? Man, I loved COD 4. Like, I right. absolutely enjoyed that, it. That's, that's the cinematic game of your dreams, is it? Or Yeah, it's it's hard. Like, I feel like I need to go back and retry COD 4. Um, I listened to the playthrough podcast on it, and, um, like, the crew really enjoyed it. But they also all really love all those games anyway so that style of games anyway so i don't know if i'd bounce off it more i think there's something about call of duty where i find the gameplay of clicking on enemies heads like you know just hit scan fps engaging enough the gameplay is good enough that i can put up with the more cinematic qualities Maybe something like for you, like Catherine is a good example. I know that's a game that you've wanted to do for the show for a while. Like that's a game with a big chunky story and chunky gameplay and you just alternate between them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that game's narrative is even got sort of gameplay because there's like, you know, some level of choice in the narrative. Um, But it does, you know, very well, you know, segment you know, this is the gameplay and this is the cinematic bit. There's no mm. awkward, like, in-between bits that are kind of boring, right? You're just engaged the entire time. It might just be the transparency of it because, like, Half-Life... When I played Half-Life 2, I didn't notice for the first time. I didn't notice this as much. And Half-Life 2 does this to you. It locks you in a room and it happens multiple times. And it didn't bother me back when I first played it. But on replays, it's just like, what the hell is even going on here? And I'm like bunny hopping around the room and putting barrels on people's heads. And yeah, just, just like, make why it is this a cutscene. Like, yeah, just a cutscene that I can press scenes... escape on to skip. Yeah, cutscenes you can skip. They look cooler, right? And they're just you know more immersive i yeah, find it's, isn't that funny it's more immersive to have a cutscene because they're not pretending when, when they lock you cut in a scenes room... have real camera angles like when yeah. you have like an, an npc with its like dead vacant stare looking in one direction talking it just feels so weird and unnatural can you, like can you imagine if we played vagrant story and instead of cutscenes, it was the player speaking and you were like running <laughs> oh around in circles God, no. and like jumping on crates <laughs> and yeah. oh my god how bad how much worse would it be it would be yeah. it would be a disaster yeah cutscenes are fun well when they're you know when they're well made um yeah. running around listening not so much 
Anyway, we've covered a lot of territory here, but we should be looking at wrapping up. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode and um, my maybe somewhat unjustified rants against the cinematic FBS. Uh, my name is Patrick Arthur and my co-host was James Turlings. You can find all of our content on our website, which is rspodcast.net. It's got all of our episodes, all 94 of them, as well as a bunch of articles that James and I have written over the years. Uh, most importantly, it's got links to our discord server our discord server is where we do all of our interaction with the community we love to hear your opinions whether they clash with ours or not if they do all the better more interesting discussion and we also take recommendations for games and it's just generally a place to hang out so if you're enjoying the show if you we would love if you would drop by join the discord server to say hi or just hang out yeah and uh, you know we do recommendations all the time from people that recommend them maybe sometimes i wonder if too much but <laughs> uh, it, it is kind of fun to you know just dive into something with no concept of what you're getting into well um, the, the truth is like even when i dislike a game and i've said this before but even it's when I fun to talk game, about right it's fun to talk about and it's fun to discover the things about it that are unique to it or interesting so you know for all of my criticisms of this game king kong it was still interesting to play to see the cool ideas it had. So I, I don't ever... I don't regret playing it, right? I rarely regret playing a game. Occasionally, I do regret playing a game. You know? <laughs> I'll name no names, but occasionally. But for the most part, it's still interesting to play games that you dislike or that you bounce off off on you know it expands your horizons of, of what video games are capable of yeah so, and it makes you appreciate the games that are fun not that i recommend people go out to play games they hate just to make the other games feel yeah, better that's, that's our job <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um so now that we've finished um peter jackson's king kong the official game of the movie gamer edition <laughs> um patrick what have you cooked up for us for next fortnight so we're going to do another short game as we continue to plug away at uh, fallout, fallout. Tactics, yeah, yes. it's it's a bit of a slog, but we're getting through it, so we're doing some short games to supplement it, and we are going to be playing Mega Man X. So I know very little about this game. I'm almost completely blind. I have an episode of Nostalgia Goggles, uh, the uh, podcast, lined up to listen to what they think uh, for for our episode. I know it's a pretty short game, and I know that I enjoyed Mega Man Two a fair bit. I do believe Mega Man X is like the next generation of Mega Man games. So these are the ones for the Super Nintendo, I think. Man, I'm probably getting this really wrong. But uh, I know that there are movement options like the dash in, in Mega Man X. So I'm interested to see... Because I quite liked Mega Man 2. Like, I liked the... I did not. <laughs> well, I, I liked the combination of kind of precision platforming with shooting. I just felt that some of the bosses were just complete bullshit and that there were a lot of instances where you couldn't reasonably and consistently avoid damage. I mean, obviously the best players, etc., speedruns, etc., they can do that, but it didn't feel like that was something that was most of the time humanely possible for a first or second playthrough. Mega Man X, from what I've seen and heard, by expanding your movement options, it seems like it's more in line with modern platformer game design like Hollow Knight, where you are you are given the tools to basically evade damage if you play properly. So um, I'm keen to see what I'm hoping is an upgrade on, on the experience I had with Mega Man 2. Yeah, and this is kind of like a black spot um in Mega Man history for me because I know very little about these games other than 
I've had people tell me that they really like them because I've mm. played, you know, Mega Man 2 before. We played it on the show a little bit and I've played, you know, Battle Network a lot, obviously, and I've, you know, mm. watched and heard discussion about Legends. And this is one I'm really not very familiar with, but looking at gameplay, I'm kind of on board with what it looks like it's trying to do. So I guess we'll see if it's any good. Um, I wonder, There is like a new collection that came out. Maybe I'll have a look at that and see how you know if it's upgraded but you know we'll probably just play an emulated version probably yeah i'm i'm feeling emulation is going to be the way to go like super nintendo emulation is like rock solid so yeah so yeah we'll see how that is yeah so thank you once again everyone for joining us today and we'll see you in a fortnight for Mega Man x see you then